This ain't Texas. Ooh. Ain't no hold'em. Hey. So lay our cards down, 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 down. So pocket Lexus. All right, back here on the sports grind, Calvin Casey, Jonas Clark producing, spin the one and twos. We are broadcasting here from Maestro de Bell Tequila Studios, and today's show is being presented by Dosecchi's Get a Dose. All right, so um, I've got uh, Daryl sticking to the NBA All Star theme. We've got Daryl Legion checking in here on Facebook Live. He says, with the amount of money that these guys are making, the players are making a business decision not to go hard and possibly have a major injury. With a major injury, they, the players, stand to lose millions. Just do away with the game altogether. $10 million on the line, winner takes all. So at the same time, Daryl's telling you, you do away with it, then he hits you with like, hey, but put $10 million up, winner takes all. Um, look, I mean, you can get, I mean, there's guys that get hurt even at practice or shoot around. Um, you know, yes, if you play in the all-star game, you have a tendency to, there's a possibility or chance you get hurt. I don't think that that is, to be honest with you, man, Daryl, I don't think that that's really in the back of players' mind in basketball at the all-star. I don't think that's the excuse to give them. I don't think they're out there choosing not to go full-fledged because they're worried about getting hurt. If, if, if guys, and the reason why I say that, because if, if guys in the NBA were worried about getting hurt in the all-star game and that has something to do with the effort, you would see more guys that would basically buy out, like not go, not participate if it was about injury. So I just think it comes down to the type of player that's in the NBA right now and the type of money that they're making. There's really no incentive other than bonuses and you know contracts language and contracts for making all-star games appearances but there's really no incentive of them being there um you know the game itself so we'll see uh in regards to the other uh festivities um and all-star weekend this weekend uh, pretty much, uh, what else we had? So we've got a back-to-back. McClung wins the, uh, he repeats as a slam dunk competition champion. And you say he'll be on the lights of like with Dominique and. Well, not even Dominique. Own. So so now we can mention uh, Mac McClung has, with, with his second consecutive win of the dunk contest, puts mm-hmm. his name up there with Zach Levine, who won in 15-16. Nate Robinson, mm-hmm. who won in 9-10. and 10, Jason Richardson, who won in 0-2 and 0-3. And Michael Jordan, the winner in 87 and 88. Hmm. Um, of course, Dominique Wilkins did win multiple slam dunk contests, just not back-to-back. Hmm. Uh, McClung said after the win, because uh, Ali LaForce had asked him, hey, are you going to come back and defend a third, you know, for the, your three-peat? And he said, I'm not committing to anything right now. Hmm. Well, I, yeah. It's, you know, again, the uh, dunk we, and the only reason why I'm not going in on it because we went on it Friday, uh, but you have mixed reviews. All I know is when we talked about Friday, Jalen Brown. I mean, bless his heart. I mean, he participated, but he his he looked that looked awful. Um, the I know he was trying to do the gesture wave to some kid or somebody in the stands, but that just looked bad. Um, 
So he went back to back, um, and we'll see who remembers his name after year. Because, like you said, that would be a good trivia question down the road. Yeah, Jeopardy! Um, ten years from now. Yeah, Michael Jordan, Zach Levine, Jason yeah. Richardson—they all won back to back. You know, wow. slam dunk champions. This player won one too. And Dame uh, won the MVP, like I alluded to, and he won the three point contest. Um, you know. Um, I think well, Halle got, Halliburton got robbed for that MVP, in my opinion. Well, I didn't really. I mean, like I said, I didn't break the game down and really watch in life, so I'm not going to. I mean, I'm not going to get into. I don't have a take toward that. Um, you know, I know with him being the, you know, hometown kid, it's he's the host, you know. But with Dane winning the three-point and the MVP, um, they better hope that's not all it gets. I mean, as good as it gets from a, the Bucks. Um, it brings more attention to them, but they've got they they've got some things to figure out in the second half of the season uh, under their um, the savior uh, Doc Rivers uh, that Giannis and the gang wanted. They got to get going. I mean, it it's cool. To, I mean, he won the three point contest. He won the MVP. And there's some guys that show up to the all-star game that, you know, despite the effort from everybody else, there's certain players you can tell when they have intentions of wanting to win that award. Uh, you know, I was hearing Perk talk about his crazy. Russell Westbrook won it one year, and he came off the bench, and he won the MVP award. So that does mean something to certain type of players. that You can tell the guys are really trying to go out and win it. Uh, but it just adds a little bit more pressure uh, in regards to the second half of the season for the Bucks, we'll see how it plays out. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, it was Reggie and Candace going back and forth um, at one point in the first half talking talking about that this was the best defense a Doc Rivers team has played this year. Wow, that's that's terrible. That's, <laughs> that's messed that, up. Slid that in that's there. That's messed up, man. <laughs> yeah. Well, look, man, they, they brought him in for defense. And he's three or four games under 500 since he's taken over. And again, once we get past the breaks, they get up. They get past the break, they get up going. That's really what. That's really what the focal point is going to be. Me, in my opinion, with them, because I'm going to say what's next. Because they they they've tried a lot of stuff in the last year year and a half. From and a lot of this is driven by Giannis. They fired Booth and the Hoser. They they wanted Doc coming in. And my thing is like, when is it going to be more held accountable to some of the players? But even though I've got Doc under the radar because I don't like the way it went down and how he got the job. You know, and I just feel like I've seen this story with Doc, man. Doc is Doc. He's a good guy. But there's a reason why he keeps getting these opportunities and jobs. You know, I just feel like there's, I mean, you look and it's a total different end of the spectrum. But you look at a guy like Mark Jackson. I mean, hell, look at what's happened to Jock Vaughn today. Like, Jock Vaughn gets tired. Like, first off, um, you know, they roll the dice and hire Steve Nash with no experience and no nothing. Um, and Kyrie Irving and KD, they signed off on that. And that lasted for a cup of coffee because we found out Steve was a little over his skis. But, hey, when when lightning struck with Steve Kerr, I guess everybody feels like they can try it at least once. So Jock Vaughn takes this job basically thinking that he's going to coach Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. And then all of a sudden the dominoes fall on that and they get booted out. And keep in mind, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, they sign off on Jock Vaughn as well. So Jock Vaughn gets this gig. He loses two superstars. They start, they do a trade with Cleveland. 
to acquire them and then they blow up and then he's left with this and then they fire him like in his second year or whatever there. Um, it's messed up. I mean, because it, it it's kind of similar. I look at it as similar to kind of what happened to Todd Bowles, his first stint with the Jets. You know, when they were trading off Mango, they were trading off a bunch because they were trying to cut salary cap back then. Oh, we're going to let you be around for the rebuild. They fired Todd Bowles the next season. Um, so this one, you know, to me, um, you know, I know if you look at their record, you can sit there and say, well, yeah, I mean, look at their record, of course. Yeah, but look at the totality of it in the circumstances. You know, Steve Nash was handed Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving for at least a full year. And, you know, you get Jock, because to me, I I take Jock as a coach. I think he's a decent coach. I mean, I've seen him, you know, this is sometimes a talent thing. And I think also it it, it kind of shines a light, in my opinion, too. It, it makes it more impressive what Tyron Lue has done over his time. Because, you know, Tyron Lue, sometimes, and, and, and the bar always changes when somebody elevates it. But sometimes we take for granted, if you've seen some of the coaching jobs, Tyron Lue with the injuries, even his time in Cleveland post LeBron he's usually takes his roster and can get the best out of him now Jock maybe he couldn't get the best out of what was left of, of this residue since they lost Kyrie Irving and KD but was he given the right amount of time no I don't think so but um, you know they did it at the break before the second half of the season we'll see who they I don't know who they named intern yet uh, coach but we'll see what direction Brooklyn decides to go. I mean, and, and from a management standpoint and an ownership standpoint, um, you know, the success and what's going across the way with the Knicks definitely plays a part in this. Uh, because you can get in a panic situation and be like, look, man, we've got, you know, Knicks come to play us in Barclays, and it's it's a Knicks. It's, it's, it's Knicks. It's blue and orange in here. Which I think, regardless of what happens, I mean, it's always going to be a New York Knicks type of town anyway over Brooklyn, in my opinion. But I think when you look at the success of the New York Knicks, especially this year, um, definitely probably plays into some type of like we've got to do something, some type of panic type of move. But um, definitely, definitely a raw deal uh, for Mr. Jock Vaughn. What do you got? Uh, from ESPN and Adrian Wojnarowski, uh, the Nets are talking with Kevin Ollie on the interim head coaching job today, and are ex- and are expected to talk continue to talk more. Um, Woj reports uh, Ollie, who played 13 years in the NBA, won the 2014 title as UConn's head co- or UConn's coach, yeah. and then joined the Nets after two years of running overtime elite. Yeah, Kevin Ollie. That was a weird situation. I went down with him at UConn too. Uh, but again, you get early takeover and look at look kind of what he's built there at UConn. Um, yeah, it's 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 still puzzling to me. Um, you know, it's just but that, I mean that's the nature of the business, man. And that's the nature of the business. Sometimes it's not fair, uh, but in general, uh, Facebook Live checking in. Let's see, we've got Josh Medina checking in. It says, is it the All Star Game more important to the product, the showcase of the best, than the game than the game fourteen of the regular season? Uh, they should they should go harder. Um. Isn't the All-Star game more important to the product, the showcase of the best, than the game 14 of the regular season? They should go harder. Um, I kind of – that's why I had to read your your, your post twice to kind of understand where you're coming from. Um, 
you know, look, a regular season game in the grand scheme of things, and I know you're you're looking at it, Josh, from a game 82 standpoint, and I know I preach a lot about 82. That's a lot of games, not 17, 18, it's 82. But a regular season game is supposed to be more important than an all-star game. Okay, that's just fact. That's never going to change whether it's a regular season. However, your other point of your your post is absolutely right. They have and they should be more passionate and going harder uh, in the game. And and that just shows and, – and look, you know, NFL has had a tough time at it over the years, even not even a generational thing. But I think when you take that out of the equation, but you look at the generational thing and the NBA's, you know, kind of having that deal is that, you know, they don't – they do a decent job of not forgetting – they're great. The past, I mean, the NBA itself, led by Adam, they do a good job of honoring greats, whether it's retiring jerseys, the situation when we have somebody pass, like a Bill Russell or things like that. But I think they are also dealing with a group of players that, you know, they know about the Jordan, they know about the bird and the magic. They know all about that because they were growing up, their dad was telling them or whatever. But they do they really respect the past and how they how they handle and how they approach the game. And 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 that's also the question. But in in a nutshell, it's just the fact that you got a lot of guys making too much money too fast. You know, the way the CBA set up, whatever, it's like a lot of these guys hit a certain amount just based off a of tenure, how long they've been in the league. So um it that it, it's it all results to that. And when I hear Adam talk about concern about how we're growing the game or developing the game in the United States, then he really just needs to look at some of the rules the NBA put in. And he needs to look at the AU level and look at, you know, the one and dones in college of what's going. I mean, he pretty much said the uh, the G League, the G night, uh, the that league's probably going to the wayside. Uh, the G League team. Yeah. The Ignite team, yeah. not the league itself. Oh, OK, that Ignite team. Because the Ignite team, it was was it. Before NIL came onto the scene, it was presented as a way for players to make money yeah, off their right. name, image, yeah. and likeness first. And we've yeah. seen a number of you know top prospects come out mm-hmm. of the Ignite program. But now with uh, and, and and again behind the Ignite or under the Ignite banner, um, those younger players were supposed to learn more you know disciplined developmental skills that you don't get in college because college it's about you know going on to win a national title no matter how you do it. You know, kind of like in, in college football, you can run the Wildcat, you can run, you know, you can pull an army and, and pass the ball four times a game and just run the rest of the way. Right. And you're just trying to win games because that's all your coaches care about is maybe meeting their quotas for their incentives, but and not so much about developing players. And the, the, the G League, and specifically the G League Ignite, was supposed to be about, you know, being able to put... Uh, right. You know, high school players, you know, essentially college freshmen with NBA caliber coaches right. playing up against NBA caliber. You know, you, you got guys on assignment from the NBA, but NBA caliber talent right. to be able to develop them for the next level. So now the future of the Ignite program is in question, but not the G League itself. Okay, good, good clarification because you never know in these days and times. But um, I don't know. I just that that kind of didn't set with me well when I heard Adam say that because I mean I just feel like it just like the guy's making eight figures to be commissioner. There's a lot of people that's making high level money that works in the NBA that had to have seen this. That where have they been? It's it's been a problem. 
I mean, it's been a problem. I mean, look at, I mean, if you look at, I mean, well, look it's walking, at the, it's walking past the the mess on the floor, but still saying something about it. But he's late, though. This has been a problem for the last seven, eight years. Uh, th- this has been talked about like there's so many different levels. That's why I go back to the AU. I go back to the money. Guys making money too soon. It goes along the lines that I've even said that you get guys like I understand Dame is a is is a heck of a player. Um, Dame has a lot of national endorsements for an athlete that hasn't really won anything. If you just want me as a youngster, if you want me to keep it a hundred, like 20, 30 years ago, like even in the nineties as a boom, a commercial, whatever you, there's a, even as Dame's play, even as his stature, there's no way a guy at Dame's stature of his resume would have as many national big time endorsements that he has. It goes, and that is going along, and that's the NBA. You know why? Because it's like, well, you know what? Dame has 8 million, 7 million Twitter followers. So we're going to have him endorse these products. When products endorses for winners, so guys get comfortable, guys sit there and they get eaten, their bellies get full, and it is what it is. You know? I mean, think about how many, how many first-round exits Dame's got. You know, but he's marketable because it's Dame time, it's Dame dollar. So it all results in regards to making these young men that are now in the NBA, feeding them at an early age on. And it it starts with the way the game is marketed AU. Everybody's got their hands in it. But when you make an age limit and you double down on that because your 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 mentor put that out and thought that was a good thing and you want to be stubborn about it well you've been stubborn about it and this is what you get that's part of the problem too you listen to the sports grind today's show is being presented by Dosecchi's. we are broadcasting here from the maestro de bell tequila studios when we get back we'll switch gears a little bit uh football wise we've got reports on russell wilson this week something that him and sierra did we'll talk about that when we get back Texas summers can get hot, but now they're blazing with the new Zing Zang Blazing Bloody Mary mix. The latest addition to the Zing Zang lineup brings the same great bold and delicious taste that you already know, only much hotter. Shake things up with Zing Zang Blazing Bloody Mary mix made with premium ingredients and crafted for a bold and savory taste, whether with your favorite vodka or with the pre-mixed ready-to-drink cans. Zing Zang, America's favorite Bloody Mary and an official sponsor of the sports crime. Please Zing Zang responsibly. For more than a century, the Pendleton Roundup has defined what it means to be a cowboy. It also gave life to something equally renowned, Pendleton Whiskey, capturing that unique spirit in every bottle and honoring the enduring legacy of the American West. Pendleton Whiskey is made with the finest northern grains and cut with Mount Hood Glacier water, a whiskey that celebrates the cowboy in all of us. That's Pendleton Whiskey. That's true Western tradition. Pendleton is the official whiskey of the PBR Tour. Pendleton Distillers, Lawrenceburg, Indiana. Please drink responsibly. Pendleton Whiskey, official sponsor of the sports grind. Are you moving around the greater San Antonio area? Choose the storage experts. Tiger Moving and Storage. Whether you're moving an office or the whole family, Tiger Moving and Storage offers container drop-off and delivery with efficient, prompt, and cost-effective service. To learn more and to secure your portable storage container today, go to ChooseTiger.com. Tiger Moving and Storage, official sponsor of the sports grind. All right, back here on the Sports Grind, Calvin Casey, Jonas Clark producing, spinning the one and twos. 
Today's show is being presented by Dos Equis. Get a Dose. We are broadcasting here from the Maestro de Bell Tequila Studios. And this next segment is going to be sponsored by Penland Whiskey. Keep in mind, Penland Whiskey is an oak barrel aged whiskey distilled in Canada using the finest ingredients before bottling glacier-fed spring waters added from Mount Hood, Oregon's highest peak. Penland Whiskey delivers an uncommonly smooth taste and rich, complex flavor. And Penland Whiskey, keep in mind, is the official spirit of the Pro Rodeo Cowboy Association and it's an official whiskey of the Professional Bull Riding Tour, which is the PBR Velocity Tour, and it's an official whiskey of the Sports Grind. All right, so uh, real quick before we leave the basketball scene and get some football, I know Shelby uh, T. James checked in and said, Cal, NBA needs to start calling it an all-star show of exhibition. Um, well, technically, it's, I mean, it's an exhibition all-star. I mean, I kind of see what you're saying, Shelby, but the branding could be different. But it's definitely still an exhibition, but I get it in regards to you saying stop calling it a game. Um, we'll see. I mean, we'll see how it how it plays out. Uh, in regards to um, our guy here in the backyard, Wimby, um, you know, I, I paid attention and I saw his little bit of his skills challenge and I saw his kind of interviews and stuff. Uh, you could tell Wimby's like fatigued a little bit. You could tell, uh, in my opinion, I think he looks tired, rightfully so, um, just the way his whole rookie year has gone uh, from the time of even before draft, playing late in the playoffs in his French league and hitting the ground running, and then everybody's a piece of him, wanting a piece of him. Uh, you always hear about that rookie, like that guy that comes out of college, you know, especially if he's freshman or whatever, one and done, he hits that rookie wall. Um, now, he's so talented that it hasn't really showed up on the court in the regular games, but I can just tell through his interviews and just his body language, he's a little bit, uh, you know, fatigued. He definitely needs a summer vacation here uh, pretty soon. Uh, but transitioning a little bit, um, before we get into football, because I did want to talk about, uh, you know, Michael Parsons won the MVP in the celebrity game. Um, even though Stephen A. was complaining he was charging, they didn't call one charge, you just running over everybody. Uh, it was more of his comments that he had with Stephen A. Uh, that I want to touch on. Of course, we've got some information, uh, according to multiple reports, with Russell Wilson that I want to get to here shortly. Uh, but before we do that, before we leave the basketball uh, scene, because I don't want to run out of time, let's circle back in regards to what I talked about in the opening hour about St. John's who blew a 19-point lead to Seton Hall to go on to lose. They've lost eight out of their last ten games. Um, this is Rick Pitino's first year at St. John's. Um, if, I mean, if you know college basketball, you know who Rick Pitino is. You know his age that he's at. Um, and... He has had some classic press conference meltdowns before at the NBA level with the Celtics and even after, you know, at college. Sometimes, you know, even I remember some of them at Louisville and then back in the day with Kentucky. But he spent about three or four years at Iona. He was part of investigation. You know, he got fired, let go at Louisville a few years after winning the title there. And then he had to go to rehab, go to Iona rehab, and he built his name. They made some deep runs in the tournament. 
and he gets this job at St. John's. And you could tell that the losing is starting to weigh on him. They lost eight out of ten. But I guess it's the way that they're losing and what he looks at when he looks at his players. But take a listen here uh, real quick to uh, Rick, some of Rick Pitino's post-game press conference after blowing that 19-point lead to Seton Hall. We just lack toughness. We just don't move our feet on defense. Look, they, they shot 37 free throws. Throw out the stats. You see it every game, the amount of free throws they shoot and the amount of free throws we shoot. Look at what Naheem shot on the year. Look at what uh, Chris Ludlam shot on the year. I mean, you're a power forward. You play 29 minutes without a free throw. Uh, that means you're not offensive rebounding, not getting to the line. So it's, it's really the, all the toughness things of why we give up leads. We are so non-athletic that we can't guard anybody without fouling. And really, it's not about losing, because even in winning, winning, when we watch the film, I see unathletic plays. I, I see people that don't handle the ball, that's just interested in taking quick shots. So it's been a disappointing year. I don't think we were going to win the first year anyway, because when you rush like that and you don't see the players and you just, uh, not, not a whole lot we can do. But it's, um, I think I've enjoyed, even, even the Celtics when we lost, I've enjoyed every minute being a Boston Celtic coach. Didn't like the fact that we lost in that following year but this has been the most unenjoyable experience i've had since i've been coaching um and let me add something else that wasn't really on there um he talked well he kind of took a shot at their facility saint john now he said that they're doing something about it he said but for our facilities being crap and he didn't use the word crap um he said but that doesn't have anything to do with us losing and he goes, but we're working on that as well, too. What you did hear in there when you hear about him saying when having to rush um, in the recruit process where you didn't really see the players or whatever. Translation, he was in the trans transition phase of taking this job and probably didn't have the time and probably trying to get used to the transfer portal. And because you got to think, man, like Rick is old school. So a lot of these old school cats, they're still not, especially in college basketball, they're still not adjusted to this transfer portal stuff and how they're normally traditionally known to be recruiting. So that tells me a lot there as well, too. But the rawness, I mean, there is very rare. And, and I will tell you this. Because who his name is, he's going to get away with this. Like, if this was any other coach in this day and time, I mean, I don't have a problem with it. I mean, he's being real, um, you know, but there are 18, 19-year-old young men he's talking about, but I don't have a problem with it. But I will tell you, in the society that we live in and the time we live in, if this was any other coach that wasn't as proven or as, as you know, the skins in the game as Rick Pitino, they'd be getting killed for this today. This would be too much overboard about laying into too many kids because basically he's just saying that his recruiting class sucks. He just told him that the recruiting class, y'all are terrible. We rushed. I didn't get a chance to look at y'all and y'all are not athletic whatsoever. And I knew we were going to lose, but this is enjoyable. And to sit there and think about all the years and decades that Rick Pitino has coached at the NBA level and the college level to know that you are the class that he says is the least enjoyable that he's ever had in coaching. I can only imagine, and that's what, you know, when I hear that, I can only imagine what this week's practice is going to be like or what practice has been like about what has he really, if he's saying that publicly in a press conference, 
then what the hell is he telling them at practice? That's what I want to know. Uh, but, you know, they say as you get older, and Rick's in his 70s, I believe, when you get older, you start telling the truth more. And you really just don't give a damn when you're Rick's age. And especially if you're as accomplished as Rick. I mean, this is a guy that was, you know, in an FBI indictment in regards to name brought up that was, I would say, fortunate to get another opportunity to coach at Division One College after going to spending some years at Iona. And he just pretty much just took a big size number two all over the program of his program in his first year. So that that was classic stuff there. Um Probably don't put it up there with the whole Larry Bird and Kevin McHale's not walking through the door, but he's letting you know he still has it. But I, the thing that stood out to me in my mind was after listening to that was what the hell is he telling them behind closed doors in practice? It must be some. It must you. You're gonna have some some young men's mental toughness really tested um, if he's going in on them like that in a press conference. Um, also, um, I think that's everything that I want to touch on college basketball wise, uh, as well. Uh, NBA, the only thing I didn't get to was LeBron, of course, during all-star weekend, you have a lot of media obligations and he was asked about the whole potential trade, uh, Golden State tried to make a move for him. He claims he didn't know nothing about it. Like, yeah, okay. He claimed he didn't know nothing about it, but also he said, listen, I don't know how many years I want to be left playing. But he said, I know the end is near. He said, I know it's not that many. But he, it, another thing, it was crazy. He said, I haven't made up my mind if I want the farewell tour, you know, kind of like Kobe, kind of like they did it, or do I want a Tim Duncan it? Which I thought was funny because it's true. Tim, which us down here in this region always knew. I always knew Tim was going to do it that way uh, in regard because he's not a guy that likes to go from city to city, get the gifts. I knew he was just going to say, hey, that's it. And you wouldn't get a chance to do it that way. And who knows? Maybe his coach, Coach Popovich, decides to do it the same way as well. But LeBron said he knows the nearest end, but he does want to retire or finish his career with L.A. And I, and I said this before on these trade rumors when we talked about this with Golden State. You know, if this was LeBron, you know, in year 17, 16, then I could see him, even with all his commitments in L.A., his business, his son going to USC, the movie production company, I could see all that, and I could still see him making a move. Um, at this stage of his career in season 21, Bronny at college at USC, on the rise, I just don't really see him, you know, uh, switching uniforms at this stage. And that's even with the whole brawny factor because i i don't know you know that's just one of those situations to where i think it was nice to talk about it i would always talk about it and i think lebron has talked about it but the further we get along and kind of seeing where the lakers at and where he's at and the type of basketball he's still playing i think the whole idea of him playing you know on the same team as his son I, I don't I don't I'm losing more steam on that because by the time that happens and I watched some USC games I mean I know LeBron made some comments the other day saying that he thinks Bronny could give LA some minutes right now uh Bronny now I'm hearing his other one is the real deal now I'm not saying little Bronny's not but I've, I've heard stories about his other son that's already like he's gonna be that dude but 
I think LeBron needs a lot of work. Not a lot, but he needs quite a bit of work before he's ready on an NBA squad, in my opinion. So to me, you have to ask yourself, if LeBron is still playing at a high level that he is in his 21st season, and we know the only reason he's still playing, it ain't about money, it's about trying to get more championships, what's going to weigh out more? Because the only way that you're going to have a chance to play with LeBron is going to be probably on a non-competing, non-playoff type of team. And which is going to weigh out more to LeBron. That's another factor, the reason why I'm kind of cooling out on the whole him playing. I mean, he's probably going to play in the NBA while his son's in the NBA. But playing on the same team, I don't know about that. I don't know about that. Did you want to add something? Well, Bryce is his other son's name. Yeah, I heard um, Bryce. I've heard some good he, things about Bryce. He's got the height. Yeah. You know, where, where, where Bronny kind of has handles, he has scoring ability, and of mm-hmm. course, he has LeBron's name. Um, Bryce has the size, yeah, Bryce has the vertical, Bryce. Yeah. Uh, and, and so I think he's about, what, two or three years younger yet. Um, he was at, last I saw, he was at Sierra Canyon where, where Bronny went, but then he mm-hmm. transferred to a different school, kind of cutting his own, his own path. Um, but there's always the opportunity, too, to where even if, like, we don't know that Bronny would get drafted. I'm sure some team would want the marketing, you know, and at least take a second round flyer on him if he wanted to go pro after a year one. But if it was a thing to where he's like, look, uh, I'm going to go pro, uh, you know, he doesn't get picked, and he could sign with Bron's team at that point. Yeah, but I, I think if he, it would go for him. You know, he would definitely have to – they would have to manipulate it. Because I think if Bronny's son would get in the draft, he's going to get drafted. He's going to get drafted. Um, but, you know, if he decides – I mean, I don't know what he would do if he decides to go overseas or come back. I don't know. But I'm just telling you from where LeBron – where he's playing – like if LeBron was playing at the level of, let's say, MJ in his last year at the Wizards – or Kobe, uh, rest his soul with the if he was playing like it to where we're just trying to appreciate seeing him on the court, that's a different story. But LeBron is still playing at a level to where he could help a team if he had helped win a championship. And I just think it's going to come down to what weighs out more at that, even if you're talking about year 22, year 23. Is that more important still to play LeBron? Now, there could be a tremendous drop-off all of a sudden. I mean, Father Tom could do it. I mean, it could be a big drop-off from what we're seeing LeBron in 2021. I mean, excuse me, in year 21 season compared to what we see LeBron in, let's say, year 23. Or, or 22. even 22. You, you look yeah. at the All-Star game, and when he took off for that dunk, you know, they even I had to, like like I said, I had to I had to watch it on the replay to be sure my eyes saw that correctly. But he barely got it over the rim on that on his first dunk in the All Star game yesterday. It was I didn't see that he, one. He's lost he lost he's lost a little bit of that burst. Now I understand too. These guys have taken some time off. Joker missed a dunk, mm-hmm. um, you know, off the front of the rim. Luca did too. Uh, <laughs> Giannis slammed one in and out. Yeah, I mean, maybe he got the wrong takeoff. He ain't lost that too much. I mean, I don't think you see LeBron chasing somebody from behind down anymore from maybe the backcourt and going to knock block somebody from behind. I don't know if you're getting that LeBron in 21, but LeBron can still get above the rim for the most put it this way more than anybody I've seen on his level in year 21 uh, Kobe Mike um, yeah keep, keep it going 
Uh, they're, they're better than anybody else that's ever played the game above the rim. Um, and you're 21, so, I mean, he can still dunk it. He, he's still a thing. But is he going to go chase somebody behind and block? No, he's probably not LeBron. I think, I think to me, and I've said this before, the most thing that has stood out with LeBron and age to me is the falls and the knickknacks of the injuries of the soreness. Like, LeBron used to be able to hit the court no matter how hard he hit, hit the floor, no matter how hard it jumped back up. That's the difference that you see that's different in year 21. Other than that, I mean, the way he's picking his picking his poison in the minutes he's still playing, I mean, the guy did spend about two, two and a half to three on his body for the last a year, about a, a year for like, yeah, for like the last eight, ten. But, no, nah, he, he can still get up there. He can still get up there uh, compared to what I've seen in the past. I mean, Ed, no one looked in year 20. I mean, even two different type of players, but Tim was logging around a knee brace in year 20. Okay. Um who else? I mean, Larry Bird was. I mean, he couldn't even get on an airplane. He had to. He had to lay down on the floor doing timeouts. His last few years. That's a real story. He was laying down on the floor. Uh, Mike. Mike's Wizards. Mike wasn't. Um, I think Mike would average like thirteen or seventeen his last year. It was tough to watch. That's one thing LeBron has on all of them. Um, is just playing, and I've said this before. The only one that comes close in my lifetime, that age, that many years in the league playing, and that's and I couldn't stand him. But that's the captain. That's Kareem. Um, you know, and I was younger at that time. But that's the only guy I know that played still closely to the level he did. Even even that, and you could still see some things. But no, that's kind of where it is. Well, Bron just had the benefit of of watching all those guys go through the later phase of their career, and then and then take a different path. You know, be able a to lot, put the money but, in up front. But a lot of people, what you say that is like, that's unfair advantage. There's a lot of guys that had that opportunity, but they didn't do it. So the fact that you do it, it's even more impressive. There's a lot of people that that were able to look from a nutritional standpoint, a workout standpoint. Well, a lot of people, learn but from Larry that. Bird couldn't necessarily look back. And MJ no, couldn't but, necessarily but, look back. I'm but, just saying that LeBron specifically himself... Right. at this point so now Jason Tatum and Giannis and you know Anthony Edwards they, they will, have the, know, they will they, have the opportunity to look at how LeBron handled it and maybe play it later and there the and there's guys that have come up with LeBron that's at his level that they didn't do it I'm just saying like don't it, it don't make it seem like well that's well of course he could because he had that opportunity there's a lot of guys that got that opportunity they don't do it they don't do it. I mean, do you think Tom Brady was the only quarterback that could have took nutrition as, as hard as core as he did? No, every other people had the opportunity to do it. They just didn't do it. And that take that's a different type of makeup. You listen to the sports grind. Today's show is being presented by Dosekis. Get a dose. We are broadcasting here from the Maestro de Bell Tequila Studios. We'll be back. When life sounds too much like this. It's time to consider more of this. Sometimes a little shift is all you need. A dose of perspective. Dos Equis Lager. Get a dose. Enjoy Dos Equis responsibly. Copyright 2021. Imported by Cervezas Mexicanas, White Plains, New York. Maestro Dobel Tequila was born from 11 generations of tequila-making legacy. It is sourced from a single estate in the volcanic lowlands of Jalisco, Mexico, using the finest 100% blue agave. 
Double distilled and aged in European white oak barrels, Maestro Dobel's commitment to innovation isn't only to discover new ways of distilling and aging, it's about elevating and crafting a superior tequila that is the essence of mastery. Maestro Dobel is the official tequila of the PGA Tour and an official sponsor of the sports grind. Please drink responsibly. It's time to warm up that scoreboard and get ready to bring home the win with Specs. Specs has you covered with lower prices on all your favorite fan fuel. From craft beer, rare spirits and world-class wine to chips, dips and gourmet finer foods. And with same-day delivery when you order online or through the app, Specs is your MVP for the biggest score of the game. At Specs, the fun starts here. Here's to you, cheers to savings. Just because the sun is setting earlier doesn't mean the fun stops sooner. Now is the perfect time to get to Specs and stock up on after-summer savings with fresh new releases in every category. Specs has Texas' largest selection of lower-priced wines, craft cocktail ingredients, and beers that'll have you raising a glass to every sunset. The biggest savings of the season are at Specs. The fun starts here. Whether you're looking for a date night at the Dominion or a light meal while shopping on the weekend, stop by Thai Lao Orchid at the Dominion. Just five minutes north of the shopping center, Thai Lao Orchid's Vietnamese options are great for dinner or lunch, serving up staples from curry and noodles to the house special Nam and seafood lovers steamed clay pot. They're open weeknights from 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. and noon till 9 on Saturdays and noon to 8 on Sundays. That's Thai Lao Orchid at the Dominion, official sponsor of the Sports Grind. 